This is a classic podcast from Unqualified Gamers. Hear more at unqualifiedgamers.com. I think I want to play Skyward Sword next. You should. Finally. You should, because I didn't get a chance to play it, and I, I heard it was good. A lot of people say it's their favorite. It's like the best Zelda game to come out in the, since, you know, Ocarina or whatever. Uh, I don't know if I believe that. My, my, my personal favorite is Twilight Princess, but you, you, did you hear they're going to be releasing uh, uh, Wind Waker HD? Oh, I did. Uh, pretty much need a Wii U now because maybe they'll take out the... I'm hoping that they take out the stupid... Was it Triforce plans or whatever? Triforce map garbage. What? That game was so good until you had to find those like eight map pieces in the water. You had to like fish them out towards the end. Yeah. That was the stupidest bullshit. Oh. Really? Yeah. I thought you loved that game. I did until that part. I quit playing it at that part. I never beat it. Are you serious? Yeah. That was like the end of the game. And I know it was the end of the game. Well, I hated the ending itself, if that makes you feel any better. That part totally killed it for me. It just totally killed it for me. How do you really feel about it, though? Mm, It was all right. Listener, you have listened your way to Unqualified, a video game podcast. (laughs) Right, we're two people that have no business talking about video games other than they like them talk about video games because they like them. Is that like literally our tagline? Because you said it the exact same way in our last episode. Did I? Yeah. Uh, Sure, that could be our tagline. You know what else our tagline should be? Uh, Are you ready to play the game? Uh, uh, time to play the t- the game, by the way. Did you listen to our live play session of Borderlands 2, by the way? I did not. Was it good? Is it good? Is it good? Sure it was. I'm sure it was great. Uh, sure. It's like the 20 or 21st episode of our podcast now. Hey, did you, did you, uh, hear that the WWE license, uh, for video games got sold off because THQ went bankrupt? Yes, and I am more excited about that than I have been about any video game related news in a long time. They really like kind of felt the wrestling games really kind of fell off the map, didn't they? They well because it's because THQ or well WWE or whoever decided that they would do what Activision did to Call of Duty and Guitar Hero, and what sports games do, and they were like, you know, instead of putting a lot of thought into and developing like good games, we're just going to release a new semi-updated version of the same game every year. So you had WWE 10, WWE 11, 12, WWE 13. Do you have any idea how many years there were between the games on the 64? Because that was when, like, wrestling games were at their heyday. Dude, No Mercy, or some would say WrestleMania 2000, No Mercy was its sequel that came out a few years later. Those two games are two of my favorite games of all time. They were great. They were awesome. And they were some of the best multiplayer games ever. They were really fun. Oh, my God, They were really fun. Yeah, no, they were amazing, and I, I have not... I played Raw, Just it was just called Raw, on the original Xbox. It's actually the reason I got an Xbox over a PlayStation uh, 2. Over a PlayStation 2. Um, I got a PlayStation 2 for Christmas, like, a couple years after it came out. This was... I was a late bloomer when it came to that generation of consoles. Um, but I got a PS2 and exchanged it for an Xbox because I wanted Raw, and I wanted Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball. Which was, of course, a better game than any PlayStation 2 game. <laughs> What's wrong? What wrong with you? <laughs> Think about it. 
Well, <laughs> in any event, I'm excited they lost the license. I hope some developer comes in and at least makes them more playable. I can swallow them having to release one every year if that's WWE's deal. But you know what? Honestly, I'm I'm kind of over wrestling after after the Royal Rumble. Just seems like a sick cash grab to do that every year. It's not something that it's not something that needs to be. That's not something that needs to be done every year. It doesn't change every year. Yeah, well, a sick cash grab is having The Rock beat CM Punk for the WWE Championship and have John Cena win the Royal Rumble to set up Rock versus Cena two at WrestleMania. Which wait, wait, The Rock is back? Yeah, The Rock is champion. Doesn't he have like lots of movie stuff to do? Uh, apparently not. Apparently. Listener, you have found your way to the wrestling podcast. <laughs> anyway, I'm a huge I was a huge WWE fan. And it's you it's loosely related to video games with the whole sale of the WWE license. No, it totally is. Yeah. And and those games were fun whether you're a wrestling fan or not. I mean those were some hella good games back in the day. They, they were. They were absolutely were. But yeah, no, I'm I'm over it. I mean WWE has become just a money machine. It's Vince doesn't they don't care about talent. They don't care about the uh, the loyal fans from back in the day, they care about little eight-year-old kids in their stupid John Cena rainbow t-shirts selling merchandise and action figures, and it's it's horrible. So I kind of hate that company. So I should get rid of my John Cena rainbow t-shirt? Okay, so back to other video games. <laughs> um, I uh, played another hack, another ROM hack. Okay. And uh, I feel that you and I are going to have a lot to talk about in this episode, because it's ROM hack of Final Fantasy VI. Okay. Which is, of course, one of the best games ever made. Uh, this is called Final Fantasy VI Eternal, The Eternal Crystals. Okay. Uh, somebody really overhauled this game. Uh, now, this is not like Chrono Trigger Flames of Eternity, which is an uh, unofficial sequel to Chrono Trigger, where they changed everything around. This is... They just changed some of the... Um, they changed some of the characters... They changed some of the items. They changed uh, locations of a lot of things. They changed the difficulty. Uh, so there are some. There are a lot of fundamental things they changed. They also changed the underlying storyline. They changed well some other stuff, but I'll get into that. So, listener, if you're not familiar with Final Fantasy VI, first of all, play it because what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah, it might. I mean, it might be tough to play now if you if you like weren't a gamer of that generation though. Because it's not like it's good to it's not like it's really good to look at if you if you never grew up with those kind of graphics. You know what I mean? You know, if you recall, I recently replayed through Final Fantasy VIII, and I have talked to a couple people about this. I find Final Fantasy VI more digestible because it it is made with sprites. And yeah, maybe maybe you're you're probably right. There's there's not that um, uncanny valley thing going on. Exactly, that's the thing. You know, Final Fantasy VIII or seven. Uh, oh man, seven is unplayable. Uh-huh. Sure. Go back and look at seven. Cloud is like you know twelve pixels the size of bumper cars, and it, yeah, it's, I know. I, that I mean that game honestly seven works looks worse than six. You still have games released these days like Fez with an eight bit stylized kind of look. Right. And they're a little updated, but you know, and plus handheld gaming has kind of kept sprites and pixels alive. I, even Mario Brothers, you know, like New Super Mario Brothers Wii U obviously is three D, but you know, if it was pixels, I don't think anybody would care. Um, but that's how I feel about it. I, I would say, and, and I would say that the gameplay has has. Uh, I think it's still playable. I think it's still a very playable game, uh, personally. Okay. 
but but that's how that's how I feel. So play Final Fantasy VI if you haven't already. This seems like it was developed or reprogrammed or whatever the term is by somebody who is a huge fan of the Final Fantasy franchise. There are a lot of homages, and it really really transforms the game. Uh, for those unaware, uh, Final Fantasy VI. You start the game as a female named Tara, or Tina, as her name is in Japanese. Uh, and there's an evil empire, kind of generic evil empire. Uh, turns out that Tina can use magic, which shouldn't be in the world anymore. Some events unfold. You join a uh, resistance organization called the Returners. They fight the empire. The bad guy basically wins, <laughs> and then you have to kind of pick yourself up, put yourself back together, find your party members, and fight the big bad guy. Yeah, it did something that... Uh, it did something that I don't think any other uh, role-playing game at that point had done, and the, the bad guy really does win uh, at one point in the game. Yeah. And becomes all-powerful. Yeah. Uh, which I don't think any other games had really done that. So, it's a big deal. Well, actually, well, Final Fantasy V, if you remember, X-Death pretty much kills lots of people. Yeah, I guess including one of your main characters. But yeah, I mean, X-Death X is my favorite pure evil Final Fantasy villain because he's so over the top. He's pretty over the top. Every time he opens his mouth, it's like, caps lock, yes, I will destroy you. And, and almost every line of dialogue he has starts with mwahahahaha. He, he's just, he's just, I don't know. Anyway, so Final Fantasy VI. This person, um, now the, the crystals, magic crystals, elemental crystals, were a big part of the Final Fantasy franchise up until, no, they still are. They they are. Um, but they were they were absolutely central to the first several games. Final Fantasy VI moved away from that a little bit. There wasn't really a focus on crystals. Uh, they they focused on espers, which are your your summons basically, and they are summoned using magicite. But there aren't really any crystals per se in six. Right. Well, not so in Eternal Crystals. Um. The first thing you'll notice with Eternal Crystals is uh, the opening dialogue talks about how the world is in a certain balance, not because of three statues, like in the original Final Fantasy VI, but because of uh, eight elemental crystals, four light and four dark. Okay, that sounds kind of familiar. Final Fantasy IV, maybe? Yeah. That's, then... That's straight out of Final Fantasy IV. Oh, yeah. And then it shows a little overview shot of Narsh, which is the mining town where you start, and all of the humans in Narsh are dwarves, which is more Final Fantasy IV. Right. Then you enter your first battle, and the music is the battle music from Final Fantasy IV. Okay. Which is kind of interesting. The boss battle music is also from Final Fantasy IV. Some of the cave music is the Final Fantasy IV cave music. Uh, when you go to Tamasa, the city of magicians, or, yeah, magicians, I guess, magic users, magicians, like... $100 is really 100 pennies. <laughs> when, you, when you go to Tamasa, they actually play the music from Mycidia from Final Fantasy IV. Oh, sure. Uh, so there's a lot of callbacks to, to Final Fantasy IV, and they, in fact, they renamed Gestal, the evil emperor, Zemus. So there's a lot of um, callbacks to that. For any reason other than it's nostalgic? You know, I don't know. I, I think it's it, it was very interesting to me because... So, you and I have both played through this game how many times? Like, 30, 40 times? I've played through it a lot. I mean, we've played through this game a lot. What was really kind of interesting is, you know, I'm reading the storyline and I'm reading the dialogue, and I got to about when I met the Returners, and Bannon kind of starts going through his spiel about, you know, join us. 
but they change some of the dialogue to this new, like, you know, it's the crystals and they don't want to summon... They say that they want to prevent Kafka and all the bad guys from summoning the Dark Cloud, which is, like, the big bad they kind of purport to be evil in this game, which is also the main villain in Final Fantasy III. So there's a callback there, too. But it was funny because, you know, you've read the same dialogue for 20 years, and then all of a sudden it's slightly tweaked. It right. almost, like, hurt my head to look at. You know, because it was it was a very uh, Uncanny Valley, like, storyline version. Uh, but I eventually kind of settled in, and it kind of makes sense, and it's kind of cool. And once you get to the world of Ruin in the second half of the game, they kind of call out that there are four kind of light warriors in your party. And they make it very logical, and it's, it's kind of accessible, and it's pretty cool. But there's a lot of callbacks to Final Fantasy IV. Uh, you will like this. The difficulty is... is is high. <laughs> turned way up? It's it's turned up. I mean, it's really turned up. No, how? Virtually all the enemies are different. When you fight Ultros, you're actually fighting Gilgamesh from Final Fantasy V, uh, which makes sense because he's a recurring kind of jokey-ish bad character. But Gilgamesh, of course, has different attacks. Um, when I fought Vargas, you know, Sabin's brother Vargas right. is one of the first bosses, and they replaced him with... I don't remember if it was a, a character from a different game or what, but they replaced him with someone, and he killed my whole party twice before I, I was able to beat him. Uh, they just gave him new attacks and everything. Uh, when you are assaulting the floating continent, uh, right bef- right at the end of the World of Balance, uh, when you assault the floating continent, you get attacked by a bunch of flying machines, and then you, while you're dropping onto the continent... You're supposed to get in a battle with a with like a flying machine of a, a mech that's attacking you, which in in the first game is is very hard. Like that that is one of the harder battles in that in the world of balance. Yeah, and I'll give you that. Um, but in this game, you fight an esper and like two little esper helpers, and it's hard. It's brutal. I actually had to stop and level for like a half hour before uh, before being able to beat it. You know, just new attacks, new strategies. Um, and what I found was interesting is I, I 100%ed this game, basically. So I got every Esper. I got, I think, every rare item I could find. I got everything. None of the Espers or items teach you Vanish. So they completely remove Vanish from the game. <laughs> well, good for them. You know why that is. Uh, and listener, if you're not aware, it's because there was a, a very well-known, very often exploited glitch in Final Fantasy VI or if you cast Vanish on an enemy, followed by Doom or X Zone, it would kill. It would kill them. Well, the I mean, the actual glitch. So the glitch wasn't just that. The glitch was that Vanish made the enemy one hundred percent susceptible to any magic spell. Oh, was it any magic spell? Yeah, it just it brought their like magic defense to all spells like to zero percent. When you're talking about like the the math behind the programming, so like it was programmed wrong. Yeah. So in this game, they just eliminated Vanish completely. Uh, which definitely upped the difficulty. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah. So, um, there's there's a lot of different things. So there's there are more battles, I think. I believe the random encounter rate is slightly up. There are tougher enemies. I mentioned Ultros' Gilgamesh. Uh, there's no Vanish spell. Um, boss limits are, are raised. Like, their max HP is ludicrous. I probably cast Ultima on Kafka at the... At, well, not... I cast Ultima on the final boss probably 30 times. 
for max damage before killing them. So we're talking like 300 to 400,000 hit points. So it was a tough fight. Yeah, and a lot of the fights are longer, actually. Uh, they changed the name of a lot of weapon and armor and effects of weapon and armor and location changes as well. Uh, there's no Illumina sword. There's no Ragnarok sword. You actually can't um, forge Ragnarok the Asper into a sword. So you're only able to get Ragnarok the Asper. Okay. And that was interesting to me because I have never gotten the Asper. Ever. The Asper's kind of weird. But teaches you Ultima. It does teach you Ultima, but it, but if you like turn the right monsters into items, it can actually, like, you can max your character's stats out. With Ragnarok? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Also for the listeners, so Ragnarok is this Esper you get that teaches you Ultima, which is the most powerful weapon in the game. Basically does 10,000 damage to every enemy, or 9,999 for the uninitiated. Um, you know, is unblockable. Basically kind of breaks the game because every character in Final Fantasy VI could, in the original, learn magic. Now, this is something else that they tweaked. Not every character in Eternal Crystals can learn magic. Uh, Locke cannot learn magic. Edgar cannot learn magic. Uh, Cyan can not, uh, at first learn magic, but that gets altered perhaps later. Um, Gao cannot learn magic, so... Perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. So you've got all these characters who you can't teach Ultimus your whole party. And that's kind of cool because that immediately forces you to use more strategy. Because you start the game with, you know, Terra, Locke, and Edgar, and Sabin. And you're going, then you're going, and then you get some espers, and then you start teaching them all magic. Well, all of a sudden, Terra's the only one of those characters that can actually use magic. Then she falls into a coma, then Celis is the only character that can use magic. So there's a lot of strategery that goes on. Sure. Uh, behind things. And that's kind of cool. I like what they did with that and the way they changed the Esper system, um, which I thought was kind of cool. The other thing they did is they changed some of the characters to characters from different games. And I don't want to spoil all of them for the listener, so fast forward a minute or so if if you don't want these spoiled. But at least for the people at the start of the game, uh, Cyan is actually Cecil. So when you get him, he's the Dark Knight Cecil. Uh, Edgar is actually Kane from Final Fantasy IV, so he's a dragoon. With those sprites? Uh, they altered the sprites so that they look really good. So that they look like Final Fantasy VI-style sprites? Yeah. Okay. And they did a great job with them. They did, I mean, they, even in cutscenes, <laughs> cutscenes, uh, with the sprites, they have all the emotions in all the sprites and the blinking and everything. So they did really? a really good job. It's very thorough. Um, Edgar is Kane, so instead of tools, he's able to jump innately and he's able to use uh, dragon powers if you get certain dragon stones, which are kind of like tools. Strago and Realm are are slightly modified. Strago is actually a black mage, so he looks like Vivi from Final Fantasy IX. Uh, and, or, I guess, black mage from Final Fantasy I. Uh, and Realm is a white mage. They just kind of add like a little white hood to her. Sure. Um, and Goku and Umaro are different, but I'm not going to spoil who they are because that's really fun. Uh, but they changed all those characters... And I liked this game a lot. I, I, I replayed through the whole thing. There were a couple parts where I had to grind. Uh, and I'll tell you this right now, the reviews of this game, I read a couple reviews. Of course, it's hard to find reviews of mods, but I did. And everything I read said, you know, the game is pretty decent. It's just kind of a cool hack. It's an interesting new take on the game. 
but play until you get to the world of ruin and get to the world of ruin. And that's where it really kicks in. And that is where it really kicks in. So I will never play this game. And listener, if you want to play this game, I would say just because I'm going to talk for my own curiosity, uh, go ahead and shut us off now. Cause we'll probably spoil a lot. Yeah. So, uh, Go ahead. So what what makes the World of Ruin such a the thing in this game then? Well, the entire map is re is redone. So uh, if you remember when you start the World of Ruin as Celis, you are able to get Sabin right away. You're able to go get Terra or at least kind of start to get her. And then you go get Edgar and you sail over and get Setzer and then it opens up. Well, this cuts off Terra. So she's not on the same continent as you. Uh, they change the music in the World of Ruin. The overworld music uh, becomes an unused track from the Final Fantasy VI soundtrack. I guess there was one unused track, and it's really cool and really fitting, actually. Um, they actually use that in a couple places in the World of Ruin. Uh, they move everything. There's a brand new area, which is basically just a tiny island in the middle of the map, which is a, a new, just like two or three screen area of water. So you can now land there and go into the water... And Mog can learn Water Rondo without you having to go around the entire world of balance to learn it. Do you remember Water Rondo? That whole thing? Yeah, I don't remember like having to do that, though. Well, yeah, so Mog has eight dances. And to learn a dance, you have to uh, do a battle with him, win a battle with him. In, in that area. In that terrain. Well, Water Rondo is only learnable in the Serpent's Trench. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so they order- just do that? Okay. <laughs> yeah, in order to learn that in the original game, you had to land your airship on the Velt... And you had to go through the Serpent's Trench, through Narsh, through... You basically had to traverse the entire world to get this dance. Well, now they, they, they eliminate that. So, listener, if you're still listening and you do want to play the game, do not do the Serpent Trench uh, deal because it's a waste of time. I mean, that seems good. Seems like a good fix, yeah. Uh, they, but small. That doesn't seem like a big thing. No, it's a tiny thing. It is a tiny thing. Based on the expectations that were set up of, like, oh, this is, you know, so amazing when you get in the world of Ruin... Based on those expectations, I was a little underwhelmed because it's it's not like they ch- can change everything. But the things that they did change uh, were were pretty cool. Um, like I said, Terra's not immediately accessible. They added that water area. They do you, uh, so. There's a scene in the World of Balance, actually several scenes, where Terra has flashbacks to when she was an infant in the Esper realm. Yes. Well, now the Esper realm is a playable area. Uh, there's a cave, and you can access the Asper Realm, and that actually leads uh, kind of through an underground area to a castle, a brand new castle, and uh, the castle borrows some screens from other areas that I, that I won't spoil, but it's really fun, and uh, you end up fighting kind of an Ultima weapon uh, alternative there, so like a super powerful enemy. You actually get an Asper there as well. Um and that's really cool and super challenging. So it's cool that they put in like a really, really powerful, you know, kind of optional boss, kind of optional area, which is really fun. Sure. Um, I liked that a lot. And it actually ties into the Odin side quest uh, because in the game, you know, you can bring Figaro underground, find a secret area where you get Odin, and then you can basically walk up to a statue and he turns into Gilgamesh. Well, no, 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 no. That's not happening. They're not having that. You don't get Gilgamesh there. You get Gilgamesh in this secret castle. So you kind of have to do some extra stuff for that. Okay. Cyan's dream is amazing. First of all, it's it's stupid hard. It's stupid hard. 
they Sandy, Cindy, and Mindy wiped their ass with me probably six times. No, probably ten times before I finally beat them. And then they replaced uh, the, uh, you know, the monster there with some other, with some, like, Cerberus serpent that, that, or uh, dog thing that just kicks your ass. So it's really, really challenging. But when you win, Cyan, or, uh, Cyan slash Cecil actually turns into Paladin Cecil. Sure, that's kind of cool. I don't know how they programmed that, but, yeah, he looks like the Paladin, and he becomes so broken. I kind of like it, though. Like, the difficulty is so kind of intensely difficult in the second, in the latter half of the game especially, that they almost have to, like, give you broken characters to keep up with it. Sure. So you well, up, I mean, why is he broken? Um, he's not completely broken, but his stats just become phenomenally high. All his stats become super high. Oh, no, no. It wasn't that his stats immediately became high. There's equipment that breaks certain characters in the world of Ruin. Okay. There is uh, there's a ring called I believe the Paladin Ring that I you give Cecil. It and that gives, was actually that was actually in. That's right. It's not called the Paladin Ring. It's called something else. Uh, there is I think there's still a Paladin Ring in this, but but there's something you can give him. It's a relic. It gives him dual cast and boosts all of his stats by basically like a lot. Um, for example, so he can use magic as a Paladin. His speed was around 20, right? And I had, like, straight going around with my party. To give you an idea, their speed was around 35 or 40 or so. I think Lox was around 50. Okay, so Cecil's is, like, 20. He's very slow. Okay. So I equipped Odin on him because when you level up with Odin, he increases your speed. Sure. Uh, permanently increases your speed stat with level up. So I did that for a while, got him up, equipped this Paladin Ring, and I think it raised his speed by, like, 30 I mean, it just, he became ridiculous, and he's able to dual cast. Um, between him and a couple other characters, I think his magic evade was, like, 113%. So he was basically dodging every attack and absorbing all the ones that actually hit him. I mean, he just, it just totally, totally broke him. And instead of, uh, instead of Cyan's sword text that you have to wait to do, he just has this thing called Holy Sword that does a holy attack to every enemy and does, like, 8,000 damage. Right. So, yeah, I mean, he's, it's just really cool. It was fun getting items like that. You, you break him, uh, you break Terra later in the game on the Esper Crystal relic that just, uh, she just becomes f***ing invincible. Uh, and uh, there's a couple other characters that get really, really super-powered items. Actually, uh, Strago gets one where every magic spell costs one magic point and he gets dual cast. So... You're just sitting there spamming Ultima and Quick over and over again. It's just, it's necessary, I think, because I wouldn't have been able to beat the optional boss or possibly the end boss without all those abilities. Uh, but it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very fun. There's a lot of um, setup and payoff. There's a lot of like, this is really hard. Oh, but you just found this item, now you're going to kick some ass. It's, it kind of breaks itself, but in a way it, it balances itself, if that makes sense. Sure. There are some areas like Odin's side quest is actually modified, so all the monsters have auto-reflect. <laughs> so that's like a pain in the ass. Uh, the Fanatic's Tower, oh my god. The boss in the Fanatic's Tower heals itself for max healing anytime you attack with anything. So the only way to beat it is by using Rasp for about a half hour. <laughs> yeah, you know, you could beat it in the original game like that too. Yeah, I've heard that, but this, yeah, it was, it was kind of annoying, I'm not going to lie. So stuff like that. There's just a lot of little modifications, 
uh, I think overall it's really, really well done hack. I would definitely recommend it. And if you're if you're thinking about playing through Final Fantasy VI for the umpteenth time and you want a little variety, I would definitely recommend this game if you want something a little more challenging. Now, would uh, if somebody who has not played this and is actually interested in Final Fantasy VI, would you say go play the original first? Or would you say this is so good that you should start with this one? I would say probably play the original first because you can actually find help forums on it. <laughs> well, I mean, if if you don't have a strong connection to Final Fantasy, will a lot of the references and stuff be lost on you? I mean, is it is it worth it to even play this at all? I would say that this game doesn't rely on nostalgia for its entertainment value. I think it peppers it in as an homage to the franchise. And I think you can appre- I can appreciate it more, certainly, knowing, like, oh, this is a callback to this. Oh, that's Gilgamesh. And things like that. But I don't think it's it's necessary to have any experience with any Final Fantasy game. I think it might be a little challenging. Now, again, I played this on my Wii emulator. And the nice thing about that is the frame skip is so easily used. So I was frame skipping when I leveled. So I leveled, like, three hours of leveling in 45 minutes. At one point, at one point, I was leveling like really, really hardcore, uh, just to beat this optional boss. So, you know, if you're if you're blazing through some of the leveling stuff and you don't mind doing a little bit of that, and you're a little obsessive compulsive like me, then I would say yeah, you can go for it. But I don't think it's better or worse than the original. I would say it's a nice parallel. Interesting. Okay. So I don't know. I you know I would I would say that, and I would say if you're still listening and you want to play it. Keep in mind, there is only one dragon in Kefka's Tower. Most of the other dragons are in the same place, but there's one that's different. So if you have only beaten six dragons, don't do Kefka's Tower if you want to kill all the dragons. Because there's an optional side quest where you can fight the eight dragons to get the Crusader Esper? Yep. I think, yeah, yeah. So there was one in in Kefka's Tower, which kind of annoyed me. I think that's about all the major changes... Um, you know, little stuff peppered here and there. Strago's nemesis is, is no longer, uh, Hidian, but it's the dark elf from Final Fantasy IV. Cool. Uh, yeah, sans any metal stuff, uh, and things like that. Um, but it's a very good game overall. Now, um, when you mentioned falling to the floating continent and how that's a really difficult battle, uh, you know, with the machine that fights you and whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, Missile launcher. So, I... While I was playing through Final Fantasy III The Eternal Crystals, I was also playing through Final Fantasy III The Complete Hack. As far as I know, it's called it's just called The Complete Hack. And I'm not going to do a full review of it or anything, but I want to give you a little, a, little, a little alternative, a little pepper and a little alternative for you if you don't think The, complete, uh, the uh, Eternal Crystals is your flavor. The Complete Hack is... What it sounds like, it, it's uh, Final Fantasy three hacked, but it is like if you and I were back in second grade and we could rewrite the dialogue of Final Fantasy VI using poop jokes. That sounds horrible. For the most part. Uh, that's an oversimplification. It is actually quite funny. Uh, I've played it around people who have played through Final Fantasy VI several times like we have. And they, ha- we have all laughed out loud several times. Um, I thought it was interesting. The Eternal Crystals uses the font from Final Fantasy VI Advanced. You know, that kind of italicized, uh, smaller font. Sure. Kind of updated translation. 
I don't know how they got that on an SNES emulator, but whatever. Um, now, Final Fantasy III, the complete hack, is done in the original, you know, large sans-serif fonts of Final Fantasy III. You start out, and just from the first line of dialogue, they're making fun of everything. Everything about the game. And there are several laugh-out-loud moments. Um, when you get to Figaro, and Kafka stops by and, and asks Edgar, like, Oh, are you are you hiding one of the returners here? Are you hiding this girl? We're looking for her. He goes, oh, yes, she's definitely not hiding downstairs right now or anything like that. And Kefka's like, oh, okay. And he turns around and goes, oh, by the way, I'm totally coming back tonight to burn down Figaro. I'll see you then. And Edgar's like, all right. So they just they just take what's going to happen and just, like, blatantly make a total mockery of it. Sure. And I'm not making it sound as funny as it is, but it was, it was quite funny at the time. Uh, you know, while Figaro's actually burning and sinking in the ground... Edgar says something, you know, the Chancellor says something like, what's the plan? And Edgar's like, I don't know, I'm going to run away on a chocobo. My favorite part of this hack uh, was when you get to the Returner's hideout, the leader of the Returner's is Bannon. And if you refuse to help Bannon three or four times in a row, he he eventually forces you kind of to agree, and he gives you a Genji glove. Did you know that? Yes. I, I didn't know that until Brad told me, like, two months ago. What the hell? But he was watching me do this part, and he goes, oh, you better say no so you get the Genji Glove. And I say no to Bannon, and he goes, why would you say no? You know the story's not going to advance unless you say yes. You're not getting a Genji Glove. <laughs> so, like, it has a very self-aware sense of humor. I love it. And then, and then when you get Bannon in your party, so there's that part of the game where you're going uh, on a raft, and you're doing some battles, and you have to protect Bannon. Bannon right. cannot fall or you get a game over. And to a lot of people, that's a very annoying part of the game because Bannon's weak. Like like Natalia in Goldeneye or anytime you have to protect a worthless, you know, ally. No, escort missions are always good. Yeah. In this one, Bannon starts with 6,000 hit points <laughs> and has shock. Oh, good. General, Leo, <laughs> General Leo's ability, which does 9,999 damage. To everyone. Sure, of course. So he's basically completely invincible. Um, and it's just this, like, absolutely smart-ass sense of humor that kind of pervades the entire game. Um, you know, when you get Cyan later, it's also very funny. Uh, and there's a part of the Phantom Forest when, when Cyan's saying goodbye to his departed wife that, that is, it's just, it's very tongue-in-cheek. And, and a lot of it's clever. Some of it really fall short of being clever. Sure. Uh, I had really high expectations for the opera, for instance, and it it's just, it wasn't funny. You know, it it wasn't, like, offensive or anything. It just it just really didn't do much for me. Sure. But if you want a tongue-in-cheek smart-ass uh, hack instead of Eternal Crystals, I would recommend the complete hack. Now, uh, the one thing that lost me, and, and I, I'm not going to finish the complete hack probably anytime soon because of this, is they changed... It's just bizarre. They they changed a ton of stuff. Like all the characters are different. Uh, instead of um, instead of characters, they just have job classes, like from Final Fantasy V, as the characters. So Terra is white mage, and it's a male white mage. Edgar is a dragoon. Uh, Sabin is a female monk. Uh, you know, uh, Cyan is a. Actually, I believe Strago is a samurai, and Realm is a paladin. And someone's a berserker. You know, they just take these job classes and it's like their name is the class. Sure. 
So they changed their abilities. So obviously a lot of time and effort was put into, like, changing the sprites for all these and changing the abilities and all that stuff. And it's kind of odd they would do that when they're not taking themselves seriously storyline-wise at all. Right. Yeah, that is true. But what 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 kind of ruined it for me is when you get to the Espers, uh, Ramu explains to you. He says you can equip us, but we're not going to give you any stat boosts or teach you anything. So we're pretty much worthless. And they they make the Espers and your party members make jokes about how worthless the Espers are throughout the whole game. But the Espers don't do anything. The Espers don't teach you spells, and the Espers don't give you any level up bonuses. So I don't understand though. How how does everybody learn magic? They learn magic, some learn it by leveling, and others learn it by equipping relics that teach you spells. Oh, interesting, yeah. Ugh. But this is this is a mistake, because keep in mind, this is the limited interface of the original Final Fantasy VI with the big font and not, not a lot of special menus. Right. So let's say I get somebody in my party for the first time in a while, I have to scroll through every relic to see what teaches a spell that he can learn... And then I have to go into the magic menu to see what percentage it's been learned. So there's no quick reference to see what you've learned and not learned. Oh, sure. So it's it's not smooth. It's it's poorly done, really. Wow. So a hack that was done by probably one or two people was poorly done? Man. <laughs> but the thing is, so much effort was put into everything else. Almost all the dialogue is completely changed. And uh, and they changed, you know, all the character classes and, and rebalanced everything. So it's it's, and they they changed the name of some items actually to make like Doctor Who references and and some other pop culture references. I haven't gotten to a lot of really funny ones, but there there are a couple peppered in. But it just it's so odd to me that that much effort would be put into changing the characters and sprites and dialogue, but then not take the dialogue seriously. And then take out the only really highly customizable element of the entire game by nerfing Aspers. Right. So I'm not going to finish it, but it is fun for me to pop on when people are sitting around. Like, the next time I see you, if if we're bored and, and hanging out, you know, like, I would put it on and, you know, you can laugh at the dialogue because it's silly and, and all that stuff. But, you know, I got to the world of Ruin and I was kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of over it. I, I I don't remember if I got Gogu and Umaro, but I was interested to see what they did with them. Right. But other than that, I don't know. It's that's that's how I feel about that. You know, it, it still is commendable that somebody or or some people. I'm assuming that there are never large groups of people that do these uh, are willing to take the time to go through like the entire game and yeah. redo stuff. That's a huge project, and it's they're getting nothing out of it. They get absolutely nothing out of it. It's just a labor of love, and that's I, I mean. Regardless of the quality of it, it's commendable the amount of uh, useless effort that they put into it. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And I, if if you were involved in the making of it and you're listening right now, like, I mean, good job. Like, I mean, good effort, certainly. I really disagreed with the Asper part. I feel like uh, when I got to that part, I was feeling kind of like, I bet this was designed by somebody who really hated some parts of Final Fantasy VI, like the Bannon part, and is making a very obvious commentary on it. But I feel like the Esper's part really just makes the game less fun. Maybe this person hated feeling like they had to check their Esper's all the time so that they got the right level up bonuses. And they just wanted to simplify. In terms of simplicity, that totally, I'm totally behind that. Because when I was leveling up in the Eternal Crystals, I was checking the menu like every three battles to, to make sure that I was maxing out the right stats. I mean, I was very obsessive and compulsive about it. So, you know... 
to each his own, but uh, that's just how I felt. Do you know who Gogo is? Yeah. Who? Do I mean... No, do, do you I... know who, like, Gogo's secret identity is? I always thought it was Daryl. Okay, me too. Have you ever heard that it might be Gestal? No. Yeah, me neither. And I, I was reading some stuff, and some people said that, well, Gestal got thrown off the floating continent, but you never see him die. So it could be the Emperor. Yeah, I guess. I just thought it was Daryl. No, I, I like the Daryl theory a lot better. Yeah. I just thought I'd get your thoughts, thoughts on that. Oh, and I, I don't know if you can revive General Leo in the complete hack, but I'm guessing if you walk up to that tombstone, it's going to make a reference to it. Probably. It'll say something like, here lies General Leo. No, you can't bring him back to life. Yeah, probably. You're probably right. Or he's Gogo. I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of possibilities. But anyway, that's my Final Fantasy VI hacks Zor's review. Hex Zor's review. You know, we played uh, we played some Borderlands Two as well. Just uh, up, we can update on our Borderlands Two adventures. Yeah, let's do that. I'm 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 liking the game more and more. I'm still digging it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the some of the some of the characters are really clicking with me now. Some of the uh, the characters that are just there for comic relief that are giving you quests and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, but that loot, just the loot, the drive for loot is awesome. Like, I love getting a new gun every twenty minutes, and and then. It totally changes the way you play the game. Yeah, I love me some sniper rifles. <laughs> I, you know what I love? I love the elemental guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the like, elemental guns are real fun. The effect weapons that put people on fire or put acid on them and stuff. Yep, yep, those are real fun, certainly. Um, so we'll have to play a bunch of that, and, you know, next time-ish we'll be talking some Borderlands too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. That's great. I really hope I got all that Final Fantasy talk out of my system, because... You didn't get all that Final Fantasy talk out of your system. You're going to talk about Final Fantasy XIII 2 next week. Uh, what? I've never heard of that game. Actually, from this point on, maybe the longest I go without talking about a Final Fantasy game. That would be incredible. I think, I, have... we'd all be, I think we would all be appreciative. Although, I tell you, you know what the best one is I've ever played? Uh, Final Fantasy... No, I don't. Airborne Brigade. <sighs> game is so bad you stop playing it right um you stop playing it right you 